0: Hello, Agenda Women Tribe, and welcome to another episode of Working Smart and Living Well. I am thrilled, (laughs) (laughs) completely thrilled to have the opportunity to talk to my next guest because how amazing can a person, personality, energy be? You are, (laughs) you know, like any mother would be completely blessed to have you as a daughter. Any person would be... Completely blessed to have you as a friend. You just exude such beautiful energy and I always bask in it. I always just take <laughs> it all in and I engage with it at, at that level fully. How have
1: you been? How are you feeling? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. I, I'm, I'm very, so I'm, I'm glad I'm that you are excited
0: <laughs> because we met um, a while back yes. and you we were part of the Agenda Women Summit in 2019. Yes. How much has changed? You are not married. Nope. You didn't have a baby.
1: Nope. Um, I kind of had a man. You, well... I barely had a man. You
0: <laughs> kind of had a man. You were kind of in a relationship. Yeah. But, um, you know, you haven't changed. <laughs> Thank you. You haven't changed. Your energy has not changed. Life has not changed you. Ooh. I think more than anything, you've gotten better.
1: Oh, wow. Thank you. You've gotten sure. better.
0: I think you have come into yourself so much more fully. Mm. And I think it's also potentially having the courage to go after the life that you want. Because mm. we've seen that evolution mm. with you. The courage to just go <laughs> for the life that you want.
1: <laughs> someone, I saw a tweet that said, the queen of the clapback. And I was just like, I don't know what that means. The but courage.
0: Okay. <laughs> My gosh, even for me as a person who's older than you, has navigated life, has read things, seen things, um, understood life to work in a particular way, has often been a coward in certain instances, the decisions that you've made for yourself completely shifted how I felt I needed to show up for myself. Oh, wow. In a profound and deep way. Mm. And I'm so grateful that you, you shared all of that with us. I can't imagine it might have not been completely felt safe, but uh, <laughs> you let us in, and we appreciate it when I met you um you were really active in the mental- mental matters conversation with the Gugu masondo mm-hmm. and uh, when I invited you to the summit, um that was the conversation you know that you you spoke to us about. How did that relationship start? How did you end up doing that work with Ukuku?
1: Yeah, so I think social media is an incredible thing for me because it's brought so many people into my life that have enabled me to kind of just Carry on doing what God has asked me to do. Mm. So with Google, she reached out on the DMs. She was having a mental matters was conversation. A DM. The DMs. When happen. I met you guys, I thought you guys had known each other for years. It feels like that, right? Yeah. Because I think we we resonated so well with what the conversation needed to be, which was mm. how do we get the healthcare space and the people who work and live in the healthcare um, space together in one area and just kind of share their stories. So we get doctors telling people why it's important we do certain things. What's the understanding behind the medication and the programs that we mm. put you on. But also on the flip side, as someone who's having to take those medications and having to experience those side effects, how does that affect me so that when you prescribe this thing and I don't want to take it it could make me gain weight. Mm. What if I'm a model? What if I'm someone who needs to look a particular way? Um, it makes me sleepy. What if I'm high performing and I need to really be on um, you know my game all the time? Mm. so we need to have those conversations so that each side gets to understand the other and Google and I just we got that and so I really appreciate the fact that she's willing to have those conversations because everyone just says this is what depression is you know this is the kind of treatment this is risk factors and stuff but nobody really understands how does Just taking this tablet impact your life. How does having to schedule an hour out of your week every, you know, couple of months or something, how does that affect your life? So Mm. those are the the conversations we wanted to have.
0: So much has happened between 2019 and today. Yeah. So much. I mean, where do we even live, you know? And I wonder, for someone who is so closely connected to these conversations what does the landscape look like mm. for the mental health conversation in 2019 mm. versus 2022?
1: Yeah. So I think the mental health conversation in 2019 was a little bit more personal. Um, sorry, impersonal compared to what it is now. The reason I say that is with the onset of COVID and everyone having to isolate and physically distance away from everybody else, people were facing their mentality head-on. Mm. You couldn't leave the house. Um, you were facing your problems head-on because you were with the people either that were contributing to or um, impairing your mental health. Mm. And you you had to have conversations or your relationships just deteriorated more and more. Yeah. And the other thing is we started realizing that people were actually not taking enough time for themselves yeah. because we're so busy. We're so um, always out in the public space. We're with our friends. We're on social media that When we realized that there's nowhere else to go, we have to face our humanity. Mm. That's when mental health became very personal. And so we had to um, cultivate things, working from home, um, having shorter meetings, clearly defined working hours. That was something that I think uh, COVID-19 really, I, I really appreciated it. Because people realized, you can't make me sit on Zoom calls until eight or nine. You know, it's, it's, I need to have a break at some point. Yes, I am at home, but I need to be at home with my family. Yeah. So we got people having those conversations in the corporate space. And I really appreciate that because even the medical space, we, we started noticing that, okay, we've known about burnout, but this is actually what it looks like, yeah. not just in our sector, but everywhere else.
0: What did... COVID-19 expose you to in terms of your own understanding or relationship with your mental health? Yeah. Especially as a doctor. Yeah. I, I mean, that wasn't even part of my questions, but just listening to you speak, I'm thinking there was that moment as well, you yeah. know, where doctors, I don't know how you guys did it. I absolutely do not know how you guys Navigated that space when mm. we were at home making conscious decisions to stay safe. It mm. was I, I. I had the option. I had the choice to stay at home and be safe. Mm. Doctors didn't. They yeah. had to go out and do the work. Yeah. What did that experience expose you to um, when you think about your own relationship with your own mental health?
1: Yeah, I was angry because I think for the most part, when I want to be a doctor, you don't think about. What's going to happen if a pandemic hits? Yeah. Hey, you know, that's not the conversation that pops up in your mind. What pops up in your mind is how I'm going to help people. How I'm going to change the lives, you know, how I'm going to reunite families. And then you have a pandemic where all people have to do. Okay, well, it's it's not all people. But what we're asking populations to do is just to stay at home and make sure that you socially distance and practice safe things like wearing a mask. Mm. And they can't even do that. And then I'm like, how dare you? I'm leaving my family and my friends. Um, I'm isolating myself from them I'm wearing 15 layers of clothing To protect myself from the people that I'm with And you're just going to come and tell me You know what, it's just a flu I was angry mm. But then I realised that being a medical doctor Isn't to serve myself It was to serve others And serving others sometimes means People make choices that I don't agree with Yeah. And also sometimes means That I have to serve people That make some pretty hectic decisions um, that lead them to consequences that can actually harm them. Yeah. Even if we tell them over and over again, don't do this. I mean, we have the age-old exercise and all of that. So for me, you know, with COVID-19, I had to get past realizing that people's choices have nothing to do with me. Mm. And I had to let go of that control. It doesn't matter that I'm your doctor. Yeah. It's your life. Yes. It doesn't matter that I have all this experience and I know how many people have done exactly the same thing and if they, they've had this consequence. It's not my decision. It's your life. And yeah. I had to let go of that control. And going further realizing that in my own personal life, there's too many things that are out of my control. So I have sh- actually just let go and let God. Mm. I just had to just say, you know what? You made these people what I God. You need to you fix deal them. with them. Okay. You, you take care of your own I'm loving people. Up. I have just, <laughs> I'm just going to show up where you need
0: me, but exactly. I'm not taking ownership of this. And mm. I think that there is so much power in that lesson. Mm. I learned that lesson in 2009 when mm. I started my first business. And... Um, you know, it was a DJ in school and we wanted to teach girls how to DJ. But then we were like, OK, let's do workshops on the weekends um, just to, you know, give them life skills. And yeah. I was so invested in a similar way. I imagine, you know, you're an empath because you wouldn't be doing the work that you do if you didn't empathize with what, you know, is happening around the world and how you can have a hand in in some way mm. making things better. And uh, I remember Timothy Maurice would come and, and take on some of the the, the workshops and um uh, I was like, Ugh, I can do this. I'm a speaker, right? And then I said to him, Timothy, you don't have to come anymore. It's okay. We really appreciate it. Because we did feel guilt as well. And I said, we appreciate you. I'll, I'll try and do the things. And uh, he said to me, no problem. You're definitely capable of doing it. But what you're going to need to learn is to let go of the message. Mm. People are not going to change. But just because they're inspired by your message in one encounter you are going to be powerful once you recognize that you have a specific function in someone's experience Mm -hmm. at one point, and then they need to take over and make decisions for themselves going forward. And I think because when you want to be impactful and you want to help people, you want to see, okay, I put the bandage on, now you're better, now (laughs) you can go home. But you have to accept that some
1: people are going to rip the bandage off. And, And over and over again, and you know, everyone, some of the people that I work with will know, they, there's always that one person in the hospital who always takes out their their, their um, drip. Mm. You can explain to them why they need it, and they will take it out every single day. And you're just like, what's happening? But it's not your journey. Yes. You know why they need it, but they also, and, and healthcare, mental health, um, just lives in general, you have to have buy-in. And so with us, at some point, just going on to your point is, if you don't have... We, we are what we call catalysts. Yeah. Right? But yes. there has to be a reaction that's already happening. Yes. You're just catalyzing what's already happening. For the spark to happening. happen. Exactly. Absolutely. So if there's no reaction in the background, you could just be like a little point in time and this person would be like, oh, this was a fantastic experience. Yeah. Let's move on. But unless it's inspiring something that's already happening on the inside, it, it's never going to happen. And mm. that's the thing that we have to separate ourselves from. Yes. Sometimes you're a lesson. Sometimes you're a catalyst. And sometimes you're just a point in time. And I think being just that point in time can be very hurtful because it's like, I put my heart into this. I put my life into this. Like, how dare you? But it's not your journey. Absolutely. Speaking of being
0: catalyst, what um, drew you to your profession? Mm. And also, when Gugu did uh, send you that DM, what drew you to having conversations around mental health? Because I think both your profession and the commitment to having these conversations are so intertwined, right? Yeah. Because I learned a new term when I was researching for this um, conversation. <laughs> I'm trying to remember it. Biopsychosocial.
1: Yes, I'm so glad you mentioned that. <laughs> well done. It was very powerful.
0: <laughs> it was very powerful to encounter that in a structured space, hmm. um, in in a scientific way, you know, because I think there's certain ideas that... Um, we have, you know, entrepreneurs who work in my space who want to be impactful and how we, we build our businesses that sometimes we don't have words for. Mm. When I heard you say that, I said, This is what I'm trying to say when I say work smart and live well. Yes. We, we, we cannot exist in any of these parallels. We have to continuously be in harmony, you know, with our workspace and our, 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 our wellness and mm. our homes and, and, and our physical and our social. So going back to my question, <laughs> what inspired you to follow this path of being impactful in, 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 in your profession and then further
1: engaging with other opportunities mm. outside of your profession? So medicine itself wasn't the, the goal. The goal when I left school was I wanted to do something that wasn't going to bore me because I get very bored very easily and then I'm just going to be like drifting off and not being fulfilled. But the second thing was I wanted something that was going to help empower people. And what that means is I don't have to see you every single day for you to be able to do what I'm doing. Mm. So I would like to plant a seed and you take that seed and allow it to grow in your community. And so that led me to um, medicine because medicine, I teach you how to take care of yourself and the idea is that you're going to go and help the people in your community but also it's a constantly changing field um, you go from being a student to being an intern, which is a junior doctor. You rotate through all the specialties. You then can decide, do you want to be a general practitioner? And you just want to see um, all kinds of conditions or do you want to specialize like I did, which is pediatrics. And pediatrics further instituted my love for community health, which is saying, um, when you're a mom in a community, you don't just take care of your child. Mm. You take care of like the neighbor's child yes. and the auntie's child. And yes. There's always some go who's got some yes. remedy and something, yes, right? yes, yes. So So a lot of the time, most of these things work. They've worked for centuries, but they're not always safe. Mm. And so we want to give information to moms at the ground level. And because... We don't know what community she's going to go into. We don't know what space she's going to be able to impact. And so what I love about pediatrics is I'm able to have just that one encounter and know that multiple children are going to benefit from mm. that. Moving on to the work that I do with Gugu, the reason that I really resonated with that was because it ties into that biopsychosocial. So the biological, which is the body, the medication, the what they call pathophysiology, how the the organisms or the medical conditions change your body's chemistry right and that's that's great and stuff but a lot of the time we find that it doesn't work just fixing the body we have to fix the psychological which is the mind and also the social because if we're telling okoko that no mama listen you need to have uh, take your antihypertensives but you also need to eat well um but ekaya The only person who can afford the food is buying gotas and that. You know, that's the psychological and the social. Mm. How do we impact those people at home? Mm. And so that's why I loved working with Mental Matters because we got to bring people together to have that conversation to say, my mind. Is throwing me into this direction. And it doesn't want to do what my body needs. Yes. How do we synergize and get those things to work into, you know, one seamless process? Yeah. And that's what I love about mental matters is that it's not just a, well, you have this condition and this is what has to be done, tough cookies. Yeah. How do we tailor it to your life? Not just psychologically in your mind but in your life the people the work and um, the, the purpose you want to fulfill in yeah. your life how do we bring that all together yeah and that's what i appreciate about the work that we do how has being a mom
0: changed the way you
1: show up at work <laughs> it's, it's actually harder because so before when i used to wake up in the morning for a 24 which ends up being a 32 hour call you have a little bit of anxiety and you're just like,
0: oh my gosh, I'm going to be doing
1: this and I'm going to be so tired. But okay, God, I trust you. Let's go. And now it's knowing that I have to leave my child the mm-hmm. whole day to go take care of other people's children. Yes. And there's other people's children who look like my child are the oh. same age as my child. And now it's like um, you, you, you kind of have to separate yourself and yes. be like, okay, this is this child. Yes. This is not my child. This person has this condition. I have to like literally separate that. Yes. But at the same time, it makes me a better doctor because I understand when a mom looks at me a particular way. Yes. And she says, my child is not fine. I actually inherently know exactly what she's talking about. Yes. I know that feeling. I know that gut. And I can like take it a lot more seriously. Not that I didn't take it seriously before. Yeah. But I understand that intuition. And mm. I do everything in my power to kind of make her feel that, okay, I'm taking care of the child. But also, just looking at the way that the child is, it's like, yeah, man, my, my child also does this thing yes. when you know she's not feeling okay. Yes. So it helps me understand kids better. But I really love development of children. Mm. So having um, my own child now, I get to see the growth of a person from the time that they're born and literally, like, boom, here yeah. they are. Um, until, you know, you know where she is now. Whereas when I'm a doctor, I see this one at this static yes. point in time and I don't really get to see the e- evolution and the development. So it makes me appreciate the human body so much more. Mm. It makes me appreciate God because like kids, kids are weird, man. <laughs> they just know things. Yes. And they just know how to... And what to do in a particular moment. So if I'm having a tough call, my child will just like look at me. And then she'll just come and she'll put her head on my lap. And like she can't talk, but she gets it. She felt something. She knows it, yeah. Mm. I think it's it's absolutely amazing. I never would have even
0: thought that uh, the conversation would go that direction. Because I'm literally one of those people who I have to consciously learn to separate my emotions for different things, right? Because even when you're running a business, you have to be like, Here, I need to be tough. I need to make tough decisions, and I need to make them and walk away. And then what does that mean for my overall thesis around the work that I do and the impact that I want to make? So I think it's absolutely powerful that you recognize for yourself that, okay, these are children that I take care of because it's my job and I love my job and I'm going to do it well. Mm. And then this is the child that I go to and I become a mom, right? Mm -hmm. I have um, a 17-year-old daughter. And when I saw the work that you've committed to now with Farah, I was thrilled, Mm -hmm. right? Because her experience and mine are very different. Mm -hmm. When I started my period, I, I was in grade 11. I was 15 in grade 11 when i sure. started my period yeah was, hey you you, you moved story. to school eh? i was 15 when i was in grade <laughs> 11 and i started my period then i remember you know they had done some education at school so you kind of knew that it was coming at some point mm. but i think it was it happened like it was standard four at the time and i got my period in standard nine sure so there was quite a gap, a big gap you know yeah. in terms of when i first heard about this thing and it actually happening and it, it, it had to be the worst person who was at my house my mother's older sister who is very, very, very scared of (laughs) tough conversations or conversations generally. Mm. So I remember being in the bathroom and saying to her, I don't even know what my exact words were. And then she just gave me a pad and she walked away. And I had to figure out how to use it and all of that stuff to a point where there are certain things I have learned about using a pad Mm. in my 30s because there was never a conversation.
1: Even me as a whole medical doctor do who works with children and moms all the time, I learn things all the time. And I think that's exactly why we wrote this book. Because we don't want you to learn what some people might think are the basics only when you're like gone through it and you've you've had really tough experiences and now you have to ask people and then people have caught you in compromising situations. We want exactly that to be at your fingertips. Yeah. Something that you can be like... I actually don't know what to say right now. Um, let's read this book and let's see what the book says. Mm. And then that can kind of lead you into conversations that you can have. And then it actually causes you as an adult to check yourself and be very, very insightful. You have to look at yourself and say, what do I actually like? feel comfortable talking about? Yeah, yeah. Because, yes, you know the stuff, but do I actually want to talk about it? You can
0: imagine for me, right, <laughs> who had that experience and then I have to raise a, a girl. How and was I'm that very, for you? You know, I was very lucky... Um, in that she's quite expressive mm. and there's certain things that I think she doesn't even overthink. <laughs> and then I'm sitting there like, this mm, this happening? Okay, let's just go with it. Yeah. So firstly, they did it at school and she came back and she said, Mama, they said we need to have a bag just in case it happens. So she had a bag, like a, a purse that she was carrying with all the things that she would mm. need if her period started when she was at school or when she was in transit or anything. So that was the first um, encounter, right? I never even initiated the conversation. And potentially, I might have subconsciously been avoiding it, you know, because, <laughs> okay, what am I going to say and how are we going to say it? And then when it started, it was... So beautiful to watch how excited she was, mm. and um, she was so excited that she, I, I literally said to her, You keep carrying this pet around like you're waiting for this thing to happen. Like, when it starts, <laughs> like, on are your you? mask, get yeah. Said, go! yeah. So, when it <laughs> happened, she was so happy that it had happened and she had all of her things ready. But, um, what has been also interesting with, with her is she started out excited, but then she's one of those people who really really struggles with period pains, mm. they did de- like she. At the beginning, when the period's pain started, she couldn't go to school on that day. Mm. And I had to just, in any case, I'm one of those parents who's very, I parent the child and not the system that the child exists in. So, when I recognized how much pain she was in. It was an easy decision for me to Mm. to just decide that she's not going to go to school. Mm. So, that also starts to change her relationship with her period again started off really excited and now it's something that causes her pain mm. and we actually had to go and sit uh, with the gynecologist, mm. try to figure out solutions, but also leave her to speak with the gynecologist by herself, you know, about whatever it is that she wanted to just share in that space. And even that, I had to ask myself, how far do I extend as a, p- a parent in even
1: conversations between her and her doctor? Yes. And that's why you have to check yourself. This book really encourages you as a parent and we have guides at the back that kind of just have questions that we throw out to you as um, yourself as a parent and also that you can have with your child um, or the menstruator that's in your life to say, I don't really want to talk about this. Here are the resources that you can use. But also, um, do I even know enough about this? What are the stigmas that I have in my own life and Mm. the challenges that I've had to face? And how much of that do I share with you? But I think that's very important. We need to allow kids to have autonomy in their lives because they're not going to have us sitting with them forever. Mm. There are going to be moments where she goes away, she's at a camp, And something happens and she can't call you because there's no reception or whatever. Or she's just having a good time with her friends and she needs to figure out the situation. So yeah. we really need to empower these kids. And that that's another tool of just empowering people in their space. Because that book, and the reason we made a book and not just like an online thing, yes. is because we want to physically have it being passed from person to person. Instead of it's just being shared and then you just flick through it. Because yeah. we need people to sit down together, look at the book together. Um, and I mean, you know, the, the girl that illustrated it for us, Naledi, is... Well, she's now 18. She just is uh, finishing matric now. And she did this book all online. So her, myself, Tandazi Zilendlo, who's um, our other co-author, who's a foundation phase teacher, and she calls herself a change agent teacher, which I absolutely love because I'm like, yes, this is the conversation we need to have with these kids in their spaces. Mm. And the book is like, it's short, it's quick, and it's easy to read, but it looks really appealing for kids because there's a lot of colors. We have some graphics in there. But also for parents, there's mm. enough words where you can read with them and say, okay, let's stop here. Let's finish page four. What do you think about mm. what's going on? How does it make you feel? What are you worried about? Um, but I think as a parent or as someone who's taking care of a menstruator, if you feel certain feelings reading this book, please acknowledge that. Yeah. Because... That is an affirmation in yourself that says, okay, this is actually something that I'm not comfortable with, or I'm actually very comfortable talking to my kids about this. I want to continue going on more. I want to read more. I want to access more information. And give that to them. They That's amazing.
0: It. Speaking of the other people that were involved in the book, I want yes. to understand the process, right? <laughs> Where does this process start of um, curating this this book? Because I know Farah is the, the person that originally came up with the concept, and I adore yes. Farah for all the work that she's done in in... in, in Um, attempting to, in in committing, not attempting, in committing to alleviating period poverty. Yes. And I think this book is such a powerful tool to continue to drive that narrative, make people understand that, you know, uh, periods are part of our lives. They are here to stay. Yeah. And to start the conversation, not only in the homes, but in society around how we need to make this a normal, normal part of women's lives and young girls' lives. So how did the process unfold And how many people were involved? I really love acknowledging, you know, everyone's hand in (laughs) in projects like this because, of course, there will be people who will advocate and talk about the project, but there's so much that goes on behind the scenes to bring something like this to life.
1: Um, So Farah, on the 18th of August, came to (laughs) me, (laughs) 2021, and she's like, Kanya, um, I want to, you know, give parents... Uh, and people who engage with menstruators, a tool that they can use to really have this conversation. And she realized that at the point when we were doing all of this and we were going through it, it was COVID. It was like, you know, a lot of people were online. She couldn't really access um, the kids um, with the padron workshops that she was able to before. And so she really wanted something that we could give people in their homes. And I thought, you know, this is brilliant because I firstly, I'm honored that she would think of me um, to bring me onto this. But I don't teach kids, I teach parents mm. how to take care of their kids and I help kids take care of their own health but I'm not really good with the language that we need to speak to kids that's going to like solidify that and that's why I brought in my friend Tanda Zilentlovo. So Tandi um, teaches grade 3 learners at a boys school and what I enjoy about her is she just has a way of talking so she'll talk to the kids the same way she talks to an adult which is, listen, I don't have time for all the nonsense that you guys are doing my name is Miss Lovu and this is what we're doing today. And I'm just like, I, I love that about it because she's kind of like me. The same way I am in my life is the same way I am at work. Yeah, it, It's just really consistent throughout. Um, and we needed that language. So we were able to pitch the, the book at um, the age of 8 to about 12 or 13 years old. Um, we also didn't just say it's for girls. We wanted it for boys, people who don't even identify as either a boy or a girl. And that's why we call the kids menstruators. Mm. Because... You may be a boy, Um, you may feel that you are a boy, but you are in a female body and you have a womb. And so how do we have that conversation with you? Yes, how
0: do you accommodate everyone? Exactly.
1: So we wanted kids to feel really comfortable having the conversation with um, one another as well, to say, I don't actually know what's going on. So we pitched the book in a school, Mm. um, naturally, because this is where the first point of contact usually is. Like you were saying, um, you know, your daughter brought it to you from a talk at school. Um, But also... We have a conversation between um, Didi Malo, who's the main character in the book, and her mother, because we want parents to see what that looks like, um, what the conversation can kind of be directed towards. And then we go back to the kids playing around with their friends. So we have have the three friends, Leila, um, who is Didi's friend, and then Tariq, who's a Muslim boy. Mm. And so we wanted to show people that just because you're in a previously um, isolated society, or a society or community that really doesn't talk about these things, doesn't mean it's not a conversation that doesn't mm. happen, right? Mm. And so, how do? What does that look like? How do we help our girls, our menstruators, our kids in those situations, so that they're able to navigate it without shame, mm. and also say, hey, okay, this is happening. Make it be matter of fact. Like, oh, okay, you, you've got the flu, you've got to stay at home today. Um, you know, you you have an exam, so you have to study. Okay, you're on your period. How can I help you? Like, do you need a pad? Do you need to go, you know, like, so just make it a matter of fact conversation so that Mm. it's not a a thing. Yes. Because I remember when I had my period, my mom had like a whole period. I was about to ask you, I was about to ask you. What was your experience like? I was traumatized. Really? I just, the thing is, I, so I'm a very, private person i'm not mm. a secret person but i'm a very private person it doesn't look that way but there's certain things that i will not
0: share i get it a lot right? of people who are extroverted in their spaces particularly how where they work and and what they do are normally very introverted yes. because you need the downtime
1: and it's a lot of energy hey mm. like i expend a yes. lot of energy need on the, the people downtime around, mm. right and so it's <laughs> when i had my period my mom had like my aunts and like her friends there and everyone sat in a room Aww. and they had red velvet cake and they were telling me that i'm a woman now and i'm like i was literally playing in the dirt like Aww. two days ago and now i'm suddenly a woman i don't want to be a woman it's fine <laughs> being a woman hurts but um i think even with that invite your kids in that conversation say if your period starts what would you like me to do yes do you want a period party? Because some people are like, that's fantastic. I wish... And I'm like, no, I, I didn't want that. You know. Have you
0: spoken to your mom about how you felt? I did. I yeah. did. I was
1: just like, why did you do that? Because she was like, it's tradition. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to do that in tradition. Let's not do that. Yeah. So, um, speak to your kids about that. Um, in the same way that, you know, when there's a death in the family, you have a conversation about how you guys grieve. Yes, there's traditions, but there's certain things that some people will or won't do. Mm. Um, also have that conversation with your kids about... Simple things like their menstruation. Yeah. Because it's their personal space. It their is. body's now going through a lot. They're suddenly having pain every month. Ma- Are you joking? I was fine. Now, every 20 <laughs> was to 30 days. days.
0: Every single day of my life. Every
1: 21 to 35 days, you're telling me I'm gonna have pain yeah. in my womb that I can't get rid of. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot. So have those conversations with them and just, you don't have to ask them and say, how would you like me to engage you? <laughs> just be like, and buy a velvet
0: cake and have some tea. You, you don't know? have to do
1: that? Yeah, it can be simple. Like, you know, now that we're talking about your periods. If it happens, what would you like me to do on that day? Yeah. You know, because some kids actually freak out. I thought I was dying. Why? Because it's blood. Ah. Like, and you hadn't...
0: Not, had no. you never encountered
1: a conversation about periods before? No, it just always... Ha- you know what's an interesting thing, right? Mm. So, Farah with the Pad Run does all these workshops with boys. And so, they ask the boys, how do you use a pad? Some boys were sticking it on their legs. Some boys are, like, putting it on their abdomen. But I asked my husband, because he has two older sisters. And he also, um, you know, he's seen me, like, hey, we've been busy, but we've yes, got a baby. Yes. I'm like, sir... How's the tampon? How do you use the tampon? He's like, you put it inside. I'm like, wait. And so he didn't know. So like, now I find him that like. Is watching actually me. actually crazy. And he's like, how but does it, it go? Where it, does
0: it go? Yes, it actually makes sense though. It actually makes sense when you think about wh- how you figured it out, or who told you, or what it took to even understand. I mean, I remember in, in in my early days of my menstruation, I was just like, I will never use a tampon. It will never. It's
1: a lifesaver ever now.
0: I can't live without a tampon. I cannot use anything else. It just (laughs) does not make sense to use anything else. I'm just like, all of that work of not (laughs) using a tampon. The tampon is just so easy. I'm just like, yes, everyone, please, let's do that. But also, you know, in, in also understanding the space you need to give your child to figure out also what options yes. they are comfortable with right because there's a wide range of options mm. in terms of what people can use during their period i think that's also another quite important conversation because i think when parents sometimes get uncomfortable they become enforcing yeah right It is is what what I said. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. So I think it's so powerful that you guys have created this tool that will allow engagement in the home particularly. Because I think in schools, because of the separation of relationship, teachers just stand up and they tell them whatever they need to tell them. But I do recognize that a lot of parents become uncomfortable because, you know, it's like raising a child. Like one of the craziest things that will happen is when your daughter is a teenager and you're just like... Are you? And that's and happening now. Where did you come from? That's
1: happening now. My child is a year and five months old, and she's got this personality. And I'm just like, you can't even talk, ma'am. So what's going to happen when you get to teenager? It is the wildest
0: <laughs> thing. And then there's this thing of, I, you know, there was a day I looked at my daughter and I was like, I'm responsible for this human being. <laughs> like it's a real thing. it like, belongs to you. I, like I, I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. I just, I just every decision I make. Mm-hmm. She is part of it. Mm. <laughs> I want to know, I'm curious, how you guys came up with the name Dee mm. Talks, mm. right? Who came up with it? What was the meaning behind it? Why that specific name? You know, was there any thinking behind all of that? Or you're just like, uh, oh, let's pick a name. What rhymes with talks? Let's get that.
1: <laughs> so we actually didn't have a title when we started writing the book, but we did want characters in the books. That reminded us of the people in our lives. Because it's just easier for us to share stories when we feel personally connected to them. But also, even the characters were designed according to those people. So, Didi Malo is one of my best friends. And so, even if you look at the way that we designed Didi, and we gave Naledi the brief. She's got these big, beautiful brown eyes. Um, We wanted Didi to be a shade that was... Um, really common to the South African girl. Mm. And so we went with a darker chocolate tone because, I mean, we see a lot of light-skinned girls around. And we're not saying that, you know, that's not beautiful and that's not uh, common, but we wanted something that a lot of people could resonate with. But also throughout the book, we've got a lot of different shades as well. We've got different races, different characters, different sexual orientations. And that, that you'll see when you explore the book. Didi Malo was chosen because... The name itself means silence, but it also means kindness. Mm. And so even though this is a topic that a lot of people don't talk about, we wanted to bring kindness to this topic. We wanted people to be able to share and have conversations so that they feel a little bit more empowered. And they're able to say, even though, what did he matter? We want you to talk. Yeah. We want you to have that oh, engagement. Oh, that makes so much sense. And you want you, we want you to bring it out. So it was, it was beautiful that um, she allowed us to have her name mm. and use her name um, and even her likeness and all of the characters. Like Layla is uh, Farah's daughter, Layla. Yes. The nurse, Sister Zimasa, is um, Tandi's daughter, um, Zimasa. So it was, it was very exciting.
0: <laughs> no can you live a full life. Um, that is characterized by a lot of energy. Your good mornings wake all of us up consistently. <laughs> I go to your page sometimes, I just look at your life, uh, your your husband, your beautiful family, your mom, your sister, and um, the energy that you pour into even your friends when you do spend time with them. Uh, I saw your wedding and it was so symbolic of who you are. Mm. You know, The privacy and the time that you took to build it up, the people that were around you at that time, where does Nobukanya go to cultivate rest? You know, to cultivate <laughs> groundedness, to cultivate time with yourself? Because I know to be able to give that much of yourself, you need to be drawing from somewhere.
1: Oh, 100%. Everybody knows, but God is my person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I try as much as I can, and I, I heard this on a sermon once, not to fast, but to live a fasted life. So that's constantly to draw on the source. And whether it's in the morning, sometimes after a call, I'll switch off the radio and I'll just drive home and there'll be complete silence. And I'll be like, "Bro, God, what the hell just happened? I don't understand it. Um, Why is all of this chaos happening? Why am I feeling so conflicted? Why am I feeling so worthless? But he says, you know what? You may feel that way in this time, but you're my child and I am the great I am. Mm. So you are my child because I said so. I've called you. And so just keep stepping. Just keep going. That Holy Spirit is going to lead you. It doesn't feel like anything now, but it's going to become something. And I think that's why everyone always says, how do you find the energy in the day? And I'm just like, well, I mean, if I have a moment, I just do something. And it's little steps that lead up to the big thing. I think the other thing with me is that I realized that with God, there's a lot of grace that has happened in my life. There's a lot of grace. There's so many points in my life that it could have gone one way or the other. And things didn't work out for a particular reason. And I think that's why I'm able to move on so quickly because I realized, oh, okay, if it didn't work out, yeah, it sucks, it really hurts. And I take time to heal um, either by spending time alone with myself and with him or by spending time with the people that really fill me up and that I really love. Um, and then I head back into the world and I'm like, well, here we go again. Yeah. Um, and if I get hurt, that's part of the journey. But nothing can actually break me. And until I actually die, nothing can kill me. Mm. So, I mean, it's scary. Um, it's it's terrifying to live that way. But I think it's also worth it at the end of the day. And knowing that God is always going to do things that are going to work out for the betterment of me and for the betterment of the people that I love. So, yeah. Where do you think your courage comes from? God. <laughs> You know, to be able to walk um, into a space. So so someone who looks like me, I'm very small, I'm very loud, I'm very, like, playful, you know, at work. Um, people are very serious and they do things a particular way and they're very, like, they can be mean. And I'm just like, I don't that's not who I am. I'm sorry, I can't be mean. Like, we can be stern, like, we can push and we can work. Um, but... To be yourself in that environment can be very difficult because Mm. everyone might take you, you know, they might not take you seriously. But I realized that, you know what, God, you made me a particular way. Mm. So if they don't like it, that's their problem. This is how I am. As long as I'm doing what you've asked me to do with the excellence that you've put in me, like it's easy to walk that way. Um, The courage comes from knowing that it's always going to work out. Even if the situation doesn't work out, it will work out for me. And trusting that just because I don't have a particular thing in my life doesn't necessarily mean I'm a failure. It just means that thing is not for me. And I think (laughs) it took me like years to get to this point to be able to let it go, let it go. Listen, my husband, I've known him for 10 years. And I was always, like, searching. I was like, no, I'm in particular relationships because I want to get married. And I told them from day one, I want to get married. And it didn't work out. And I'm like, but good. And Flosky was just chilling around. And he eventually came back to me. Because no matter what, if it's for you, there's nothing you can do to keep it away from you. Yeah. So just constantly trusting that it's going to work out. And God is going to always have my back. Even if I don't feel like he does, it's always going to happen. It's a lot to to, to rely on, but I have the eternal source, so it's fine.
0: (laughs) My final question to you is, um, you know, what does working smart look like for you in this season of your life? Mm. Because, you know, you, you started working as a single girl who was dabbling in the dating, and now you are a wife, you're a mom. Um, you're a partner, you have responsibilities, (laughs) lots of them, you know, what does working smart look like for you Hmm. today?
1: So I think, you know, what's funny is everyone always asks me, what's it like to be married? And I'm like, I don't know what that question means because for me with, With my husband, we started from day one and we said, This is what I expect of a relationship with you. What are your expectations of a relationship with me? How do we expect to raise a family? If we don't have those values now, we need to figure that out from day one. So for me, my life has always been, even with medicine, I had objectives and goals that I had from day one. Um, With my health, I have objectives and goals from day one. And even if there's a new situation that comes up, I, I have those from the beginning. So I think that my life hasn't really changed much in terms of the objectives and the goals I have. It's just changed because of the circumstances. Mm. My work ethic is still the same. Um, my consistency is still the same. Who I am is still the same because I know what I saw in the beginning and it's just going to evolve. I think now with um, the, the new phases that are arriving, it's just always going back to the source. So it's making sure that I maintain my, my inherent power Calling upon God, making sure that I read around um, things that can you know, really motivate me, um, following accounts on social media that constantly inspire me, but also keeping my body strong. Because my body, if it's not strong, I wouldn't be able to sit here with you. I mean, I've done a whole night's call. Yeah. If my body wasn't strong, I would be like, I'm so exhausted, I can't mm-hmm. come. Mm-hmm. Um, so prioritizing physical health, prioritizing mental health, and also prioritizing the people in my life. So everyone knows if my friends say it's girls' night, hey, Oh, we all
0: nights. know about those girls' you nights. You understand what We I'm all saying. know about those girls' <laughs> nights, and they always look like so much fun. And, you know, you, you have so much grace on your life. We see it, you know. Thank you. And um, I, I, I know that you, you live in a gratitude space. Um, We appreciate you, we appreciate Mm. your energy, we appreciate your your courage in taking us through your journey, and um, I hope you never feel obliged, it doesn't look like you feel obliged to (laughs) to share anything or to be anything that you are not, Mm. and I I hope and pray that at any given point in any season of your life you honor that, Mm. and you're never trapped by anything that is expected of you, I don't think you're also that. But I felt I need to say that because you know for for people who are extroverted in, in, in their lives, so important that they're poured into. And I'm one of those people who's just going to come and pour because I'm just like, I know what it feels like to I be extroverted in in, in in your offering and how much it means when someone just comes and pours into me, you know, oh, without wow. me having to ask. So I do that a lot when I, I'm uh, surrounded by particularly people who are excellent because mm. I know that commitment to that and what that means to the world, but I also know the importance of pouring into those people so that they continue mm. to have the strength to go through. So... We really, really appreciate you. I appreciate your time. I had a fabulous time uh, chatting (laughs) to you. And I got to meet the baby for everyone. You'd better recognize. Uh, But yeah, we really, really appreciate you. And I know I'm not the only one.
1: I'm so honored that you would have me in your space. Because it doesn't, like, it's a very difficult thing to invite people into your mental space. To take up space in your mind. And even in your life, you know, just time. So I'm really honored that you would have me here. That, you know you would share me with your people, with your Mm. tribe. Because I think that's also something that I take really seriously. I appreciate you. I appreciate your tribe. And you guys have a great one.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Really, really had an awesome time. And thank you. Thank you, guys.